to the crossover podcast the show where you get comics and you get sports and it's going to be a big comic book day because we are i believe the 9000th podcast unofficially i think that's an unofficial number to do a guardians of the galaxy volume 2 review spoiler heavy this is going to be spoiler heavy we're going to be spoiling the fuck out of guardians of the galaxy so if you're one of the nine people who haven't seen it yet uh turn this one off and come back after you've seen it uh join me today we got a we got a big panel for today uh, first here up is uh, Rob Callflesh. How's it going, going Rob? It's going good. <clears throat> oh man, it was uh, going well. Going well, yeah. It was kind of a weird yeah. introduction. I'll get it back. I took a week off. I'll get it back. Uh, also with me here is Kevin Miller. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, not bad. <laughs> All right, good to have you here. And rounding out our little, I guess, square table here is Kyle Brown. How's it going, KB? Good, good. Let me tell you, spoilers won't matter. This movie is well enough to see either way. That's true. Uh, I well, let's. There's just really only what, like, there's maybe a couple of spoilers that you could have that wouldn't ruin the film. That's true. I mean, there there, there are a couple of things you wouldn't want spoiled, but uh, sure. f- for the most part, it's it's pretty straightforward flick. I let let me preface what I'm about to say by saying that I I really enjoyed this flick. I thought it was a lot of fun. I love these characters. Uh, as much time as I can spend with these characters is is great for me. I, I I'm I love spending time with them. I'm not as prepared to blow this movie like I've seen the internet doing basically the last four days. Am am I am I fair in that remark? What do you think? Let's start with KB. Yeah. You, you've got to understand, people mm-hmm. are. This is the first thing Marvel anyone's seen since Iron Fist. Yeah, <laughs> and we all know how that went down. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going from Iron Fist to this movie that everyone's expecting. You know, it's yeah. a sequel. It's not going to be as good. And come on, it's it blows everything Marvel up until that point out of the water. <laughs> hashtag for make, next year anyway. Hashtag make the MCU great again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a really good flick, but it's just the 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 people who are calling this it put trying to put it in the pantheon of you know greatest sequels of all time, you know, mm-hmm. they, like, there's been a lot of placing it on the mantle of you know the Godfather twos, the Dark Knights, the Terminator twos, the uh, the it just in Empire. terms of just in ter- <laughs> Empire, thank you, Miller, just in terms of sequels that eclipse the first one, the the first Guardians movie. To me, I think is an absolute masterpiece, wire to wire. And this one, whilst again preface this by saying, still an incredibly solid flick, is just not. It's just not as good as the first one. It's not. Yeah. And yeah, uh, l- let me just pass it off to you, Rob. What did you think? What did you? What was your uh, general I, opinion of Guardians Two? I think I'm in a similar boat on you. I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the whole movie. Uh, and the roller coaster of emotions that you go on, mm-hmm. but it does start out a little slow. And while that was that part was going on, it got me thinking that hey, this is just an episode in the MCU. 
So to me, as ignoring that it's a sequel and or depending on where you want to start in the whole MCU, it's like what the 20th movie or something. Um, it just seems like it's yet another episode working towards uh, the Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. But the humor and everything about the movie, I still thoroughly enjoyed. I did think it was great, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it really felt like this was the Yondu episode of the of the yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The mo- the movie is really on Michael Rooker because there's there's no. <laughs> he's the only one who kind of wire to wire in the film you go on a journey with because the movie kind of starts with him like you meet Sylvester Stallone who who somehow was 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 harder to understand than Groot and, <laughs> and I was surprised to see him show up <laughs> because I never rewatched the first Guardians of the Galaxy before seeing mm-hmm. the second and so I was a little foggy on the whole thing Thing that happened like I remember the big broad strokes of what the movie had but certain what would be minor characters like if Sylvester Stallone was in the first one I had no recollection of that so when I saw him on the screen in the second one it's like holy shit that's new I can't believe he's in this now but I I could be wrong was he in the first one no Is that just, okay. no 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 he this this was his his uh first appearance and he and he showed up as uh a Starhawk, which I which I thought was great, one of the original members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who then all team up in a post credit scene at the end. Like Ving Rhames showed up as Charlie Twenty Seven, and I think I had to look it up, but I um, apparently that was Michelle Yeoh who, who yeah. was playing the female. And something I wouldn't have learned if I didn't look it up again was apparently the mainframe, the robot that that yeah. was a member of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Apparently the one line that the robot got was delivered by Miley Cyrus, apparently. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you think we'll, we'll get back to Yondu in a second. Do you guys think that that was just a joke or do you think they're going to plant seeds for like an original Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Well, James Gunn has said that there's only going to be 3 of these Guardians movies mm-hmm. and after that they're going to do whatever. So I think seeing the success of this, I mean, why not? Why not make another one? Why not start with a whole brand new cast of characters and just go with it? Well, my my question to that would be, at some point, because I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw some brief little snippet of something basically saying that after the Infinity Wars or shortly thereafter... They wanted to wrap up the MCU. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, or if I'm just making shit up. Um, no, but but realistically, at some point, they need to end the MCU because personally, I hate seeing um, characters recast. It's the worst when an actor actually you know dies and their character's not, and then they either have to write them out in some crazy way or they get recast for big budget movies like this i'm not a huge fan of it unless there's a good reason that they could make that happen like paul walker not being fast eight may rest in peace yeah so at some point they should wrap it up kind of like uh like the x-men franchise now they've got what one more movie maybe with the the younger crowd 
or is that all done? I can't even remember now. Oh, who knows? I, I mean, I, I forget what happened after Apocalypse. Well, yeah, we we don't. <laughs> well, Logan, and we know that that part is now. They're doing. They're doing another Phoenix. Yeah. For the next. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Who did that again? <laughs> rumors of the Dark Phoenix with Sansa playing her again, and then Yay. who knows what the, what they do after that? Like, there's been like that Gambit movie that's been in production hell, and and looks like it's never gonna get made, and and. Who, who knows what they'll try to do yeah. after that. So. so at some point, for whatever your universe is, like, you need to reboot the whole thing. You can't just reboot part of it, because especially in this whole MCU where they're getting everything to collide. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you throw in a new, entire new Guardians of the Galaxy, you can just do standalones. It's not gonna, it doesn't have to be another episode of the MCU, and I can't, even if it does end, I can't see them getting off this gravy train anytime soon that part is also true right? yeah because <laughs> they've been they've been bringing the bell for two uh, two three years now that once infinity wars is is like they're building to the infinity wars and then the infinity wars is going to happen and then they're like and it's over all right maybe we'll reboot it with you know new actors and new stuff who knows but so does that is that basically saying that thanos is going to win and destroy everything <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh that's, it's a very Disney thing, right? Yeah, that's a friendly reminder that the the ultimate villain that the uh, MCU is building to is is just some pussy whipped space god. Uh, <laughs> so, it, it, I, I I'll, I'll get it. I'm sure we'll spend a, a ton of time talking about what we liked in this film. So I'll just I'll just talk about what I didn't like. Okay. Storytelling wise, it's kind of weak. It's 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 a it's a little weak because to me, if you really watch this movie, the way they tell the story, it seems as if there's no act two in this movie. There's just like a really really long act one, and then mm. a really really long act three, and there is no real kind of character development of the Guardians of the Galaxy because the only characters who kind of grow in this movie amongst the um, amongst the heroes are oddly enough nebula and yeah. yondu who are kind of, the movie's kind of on their backs which is 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 so you know we're, i mean there's a little bit of stuff there with with kurt russell and and chris pratt and it it drove the uh the the plot of the film as loose as this plot was because the main characters don't really uh you know, they're not the focus. <laughs> yeah, they're really not the focus, and 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 the st- not only that, but they don't really like the, the the first movie. Here's how I'll explain this: the first movie, yes, it's a MacGuffin storyline, right? Like they have the magic orb that they've got to get, and everybody's fighting for this magic orb, and they want to get it to this one guy, and you know the this guy's trying to blow up a planet, and he wants to use the magic orb to blow up the planet. It, like it's all MacGuffin-y, but you know it's it's storytelling 101, and it works. This one is just kind of the Guardians of the Galaxy get hired to do a job at the beginning of the movie. And then after that, random chaos just happens around them and forces them into like forces them into like the plot points of that they need in order to have a movie. Right. It like it wasn't like the Guardians of the Galaxy set out to do anything. They just kind of were like, okay, like. We helped these weird gold people, but then we stole it from the gold people, so now they're attacking us, and now we're getting randomly saved by Kurt Russell, and now we're just following Kurt Russell around, and now 
uh, you know, we're, we're, we're believing Kurt Russell and, and now Nebula is attacking, uh, like Nebula is attacking so-and-so and they found a, uh, big full, like a room full of, uh, dead bodies. And now it's like, all right, now we hate this guy movie on. And, and <laughs> you know, random group jokes through, throughout the way there. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it was a little weak to me. What do you, what do you think, KB? Yeah. It's, it seems to me just the way that those characters would behave. And I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not out to do anything. They don't care. They're just, hey, what's the next job? Let's make some money and do whatever. And we're our own people. And it's it's just... And I, I think that's why they went to Yondu and Nebula to tell a deeper story. Because they have deeper stories. I don't see much of a deeper story with, with Baby Groot or with Rocket or with um, Star-Lord. They all have very, like linear this is the way we behave this is the people we are they don't really have any room to grow it's just the people they are the story with baby Groot is I'm fucking adorable yeah which well, they even say baby... at one point right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they I don't understand how they managed to pull that off because Groot was so he's Groot everyone knows who he is he took, he stole the show in the first movie, and then they're like, "How can we make him even more amazing?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Let's make him a baby, and then have these little cutesy in between little shots, and it 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 just blew my mind how they could do it again, but still feel new. Yeah, yeah. Because like to me, the best the best part was uh, <laughs> at the beginning, like when the when the gold people are attacking them, and they're the sovereign, I believe they were called. We're attacking them. And yeah in their spaceships after they realized they stole the random batteries or whatever. And then the, what is it? The two of them are getting are, are rocket and, and uh, star Lord are fighting over who gets to pilot the plane through the asteroid. And they're like yelling at everybody. <laughs> they're yelling at each other and everyone's yelling at them. And then it cuts to Groot and he just like has like M and M's or something <laughs> like that. And he's like eating them going like, Oh man, <laughs> how's this one going to play out? It was, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just other than the, I mean, it's just the the story's a little weak. That's all. But it's not it's not it's, as weak enough that it makes coming, a terrible movie, right? It's just if you're doing, well, like as the movie's being as as you're watching it, the any foreshadowing that they're doing, mm-hmm. it's clear as day. Like there's there's no real subtlety to like, hey, look, we're going down this path, or like just the dropping. Uh, Kurt Russell being the villain. Wasn't exactly a surprise. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, especially, like, if you read comics, you know that Ego is a big, evil planet, so... Right, but for someone that, go never, that way, yeah. Um, like, I knew that based on whatever discussions that we had had prior to the movie, but as someone who's never read those comics and watching the film, it's like, oh, okay, maybe, he, maybe Star-Lord's dad's on the up-and-up, but probably not. Because it's not looking that way. Yeah, not only that, but like basic. If you're if you're watching the movie at a certain point, you you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's you know we're we're an hour and fifteen minutes into this movie. I mean, unless you're Spider-Man three, you're not going to randomly introduce a villain, you know, an hour and a half into the movie. So you got you got to think that like one of the people who are established in this movie are going to be a villain, and it's probably going to be Kurt Russell, right? He's been here the whole time, so that's. Yeah. You know, <laughs> 
I think that's one of the stronger points of the film, though. I mean, let's face it, the majority of the people watching these movies know what happens. They yeah. know where it's going. They know who the villain is. Like when you watch the first Spider-Man movie and they show Doc Connors, half the audience, it's Doc Connors. He's the lizard man. He's all this and this is going to happen. To me, for these movies, it's how you get there. Yeah. And don't try and trick me because you're not going to trick me. They didn't try and trick you. They didn't, you know, oh, maybe he's not the villain. I mean, they gave you a little bit of, hey, he's kind of a cool dude right now, but what's going to happen later? But, I mean, they didn't try to, like, pretend they're smarter than their audience. And I think that was a strong point of the film. Yeah, I... I... That's a good point. I mean, this is a great film. I'm just my my only trepidation with this with with Guardians of the Galaxy is people saying it's better than the first one. I just I'll I'll fight anyone who tries it's, to make it's, that it's, claim. It's so much recency bias too. Like yeah. I said before, the last thing they probably watched that was Marvel was Iron Fist. Yeah, <laughs> which so atrocious. Rob, I need you so... to Rob, I need you to rank these for me, okay? Okay. Best CGI young people jobs that they've done so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guardians yeah. Volume 2, Kurt Russell, opening scene. Mm-hmm. Civil War, opening scene with young RDJ. Or Michael Douglas, opening scene in Ant-Man. Uh, considering how recent I've seen the other two, I'm going to have to rank them in that order. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's... Because I straight I, cannot I think, remember. I think that's the exact order. I think it's Kurt Russell, RDJ, and Michael Douglas. Because Kurt Russell actually, with like driving in the with like with the top down, with the wavy 1980s Kurt yeah. Russell hair, I in the Thriller jacket on, I was just like, this is gonna be a great movie, right? Like you're just sitting there <laughs> yeah. going, I'm like, all right, I'm in. You got the young a little. Oh, so good. A little point of trivia for people who don't know: they actually used a guy called Aaron Schwartz to map his face on. Mm. Do you know who he played? In the Mighty Ducks. No, who? Oh, he was Carp, he was, wasn't he? He was Carp. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> no, he was also. He also played one of the. Because he's super Jack now. He he. He uh, is gorgeous. He is oh, a yeah. gorgeous man now. Oh, absolutely, it's funny because yeah, he was the fat kid in. Uh, he was he, the fat doofy uh, guy who they all ripped yeah. on and. And he does and now like martial arts, or I remember reading, or he does like uh, MMA and stuff now. That's why he's all jacked. Which yeah, you know, it's, it, it's a little strange when you get into the MMA past thirty, I think. But uh, yeah, you know, but what, they whatever you they do. use him to map kind of the face and because he's got the same facial structure as uh, Kurt Russell now. Yeah, and I think he got to play one hmm. of the one of the Ravagers too, didn't he? Or one of the yeah. like one of Yondu's. Who, who, like who wasn't? Who wasn't Ravagers? Yeah, because like I, Rob Zombie. <laughs> Yeah, Taser Face. Yeah, who's an actual character in the comics and one of the. Is uh, he really? Yeah, and one of the running jokes that they had in the comic books, which they sort of played off with, is that Taser Face was so horribly made fun of by fans in the 60s that they would change his name <laughs> all the time. So, like, he changed his name to, like, he became a cyborg and changed his name to, like, Overkill at one point. And there's, like, a couple other times he, he changed his name. But, like, the, like,. That, like, the, the taser face joke is a joke that, you know, works on, you know, on the surface level for people who don't read comics because it's a dumb name. Yeah. But for the people who, like, the hardcores, you know, not only is it on the surface, but there's also levels to that joke of, like, how in the <laughs> comics they would always change it. Um, yeah, they're saying, like, like didn't Rob Zombie 
play one of uh yeah rob zombie was a ravager was one of the ravagers too yeah like like there there are a bunch of just random dudes in the background some other nice. uh i think like one of the guys from slipknot or something was was one too maybe i'm making that up but uh i'm, I'm not too far off um the jokes i gotta tell you i liked it but that first half hour they needed to scale, like they needed to scale back the jokes. I got, I gotta say that that first half hour when everybody, like basically, anytime someone said a line, one of the Guardians of the Galaxy had some smart ass remark to whatever <laughs> to whatever they said, and it was just like, yeah. geez, I remember just thinking, they, thank God they scaled it back after that like first twenty minutes, half hour, because like I remember sitting there thinking, Jesus, is this gonna be the whole movie? Every time somebody <laughs> says something, like. There's just going to be a jackass response by one of the Guardians because that would be insufferable. Thank God they they managed to scale that back a little bit. Cause... You know, I forgot about that part. Of, so that might have actually been uh, one of the contributing factors to me just picturing this movie as an episode in the MCU. Um, not so much that it was slow, but it was just the nonstop comedy and quipping of the, the one-liners. Yeah, you just... That that opening scene when they're standing there, because like one of the biggest criticisms I have, well, actually the biggest criticism I have of the uh, of the MCU, kind of got addressed in this movie, and we'll get to it a little bit later. But one of the biggest problems I have, and it's one of the reasons I I, I really fell out of love with the Agents of Shield show, yeah. was because they do it in Agents of Shield, so so badly is everyone in the MCU. No one ever kind of, because they're, they're superheroes as opposed to the DC characters. They're like, their characters are having more fun. Like the DC characters tend to be more grown up and serious, especially Batman and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. But you know, like certain DC characters are, are fun. Like the flash is always a jokey guy, but the flash, the flash would, you know, joke when he's like fighting captain boomerang. But if he's fighting dark side, he would be like, okay, I'm fighting an evil space god from another planet. Probably shouldn't, should scale back the one-liners while this is going on. Marvel characters have no such trepidation about that. Like, they, they, they just, they, they're, there's always, they're always joking. Like, it, it just... It, Spider-Man it, could be inches from death and he'll be still throwing out one-liners. One-liners, right? And it's just, it, yeah, it, but that's Spider-Man. Yeah, I know, true. and... And it's okay Everybody's if one guy, Spider-Man. yeah, it's okay if one guy does it, but in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everybody does it is the thing. So yeah. to me, it kills the when you're trying to have gravitas and pathos in certain scenes, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, let's!" It's like I'm glad we put that giant nuke through the the wormhole in the sky and and banished those aliens who came to kill us all. Hey, do you guys want to get some shawarma? And it's like, uh, you know, like like just man, like like <laughs> we're trying to have a semi serious moment there. And uh, like it just that that first half hour when when basically anybody said anything where it was just like, so like someone turned Star Lord and was like, "Hey, what time it was?" and he'd just be like, "Time to get a watch, space jackass!" And it was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" It's just like, is this gonna be the whole film? It's yeah. oh, luckily, but on, on, luckily on that same it note, um, it's definitely better that they put all that at the beginning of the movie because then when you get near the end and things start getting serious, exactly. Um, they're then they're using those comments uh, and lines sparingly. 
Mm. But they're still there. But then you do have those more impactful scenes, like Yondu's death. Exactly, and I'm glad <laughs> you brought that up, because that brings me up to the biggest complaint I've had with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest complaint I've had is that this is, I'm not exactly sure, Rob, I think you said we're close to 20 movies deep now. Over uh, that was just a guess, but it was you, just like, I wouldn't I be surprised that, if that was accurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're that far off. So I'm thinking, because like we're 10 years deep, they've been doing about two a year. So I'd say we're probably close to, if not over 20. Yeah. And that doesn't even bring in like the Netflix series and the yeah. television shows. So we're, we're however many hundreds of hours deep into the MCU, 10 years running, still going strong none of the characters in, in any of the movies up until this point have died. And I, yeah. that's been my biggest criticism of the Marvel cinematic universe is that there have been no stakes during this entire journey and that they should have bumped somebody off early in the series to just say, Hey, this can happen, right? Like I'm not saying yeah. like it should have happened after the Avengers. Cause after everybody assembled in the first Avengers movie, you didn't want to see anybody like the guy who goes down is agent Coulson. Agent Coulson's the guy who dies so that they all come together and then they <laughs> magically bring him back to life for a TV series. So he doesn't <laughs> really die anyway. And yeah, it's just in order like once the Avengers ended, they needed to do something to raise the stakes of these films. And my biggest criticism has been that they have not up until this point. And because it's taken them so long to do it, this was just me personally because of this because of this feeling I have that they, they kind of missed the ball, that when Yondu died and it was this yeah. really great redemption scene and this really great moment where, like, the other Ravagers showed up and, and you know, they gave him the kind of Spock funeral where they put him in the thing with all of his little trinkets that he accumulated over the years. And yeah. Star-Lord gives this, I guess he really was like David Hasselhoff speech while he's like, <laughs> which was a great moment. And then they fire him through the space tube into space and... and the other ravagers show up and start firing fireworks and it, it like it was it was a cool moment the entire time i was just kind of sitting there thinking fucking finally <laughs> right? like i wasn't i wasn't even really absorbing the moment i was just kind of like oh god they finally you know went for it and and then i was just kind of like oh but it was yondu <laughs> like yeah. we couldn't have gotten rid of someone we don't necessarily care about but like it was it was it was good. I, I thought it was awesome. And they gave him the mohawk that he had from, or they, they found a way to kind of give him the mohawk that he had in the comic books, which which I thought was awesome. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. Because, well, Yondu in the comic books comes from kind of a, he's he's from, he's blue, he's got the red mohawk, and he's got, like, he's from kind of a primitive planet. So, like, they're, they're, they're a little bit behind, but it's like this really hunter-gatherer planet, and he's like the lead hunter of, of the planet, and he fires a bow and arrow, and he can kind of bend it with whistling powers. So in this version, they just gave him straight up. He just controls it with his arrow with whistling, which was kind of kind of a neat uh, add-on to the character yeah. that I thought. But yeah, when he's trapped on the Mohawk, I was like, oh! Like, that was one of the, <laughs> uh, one of the many fanboy uh, uh, gasms that I did throughout the film. Uh, what was your favorite sequence in the movie, KB? Uh, I, I can't. All of it. <laughs> um, I lo- I liked the intro with the baby group dancing. I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the super god fight. That was kind of, eh. 
Like when he turned into Pac-Man? Yeah, when it was... Amusing. Yeah, they were both... Other than it was, it was okay, but... And then, I mean, a lot of the stuff was put together well. I liked the the chase scene where they're running away. I liked the 107 or however many it was jumps that they did scene. <laughs> I think um, I'm, probably my favorite would be uh, Rocket in the Woods yeah. being all sneaky and raccoon-like. It yeah. was... Yeah. yeah, I'd have to say that scene. It was well-engineered. It was in in character for him. And at first I kind of was like, oh, he's just going to get taken by all these guys. And like, oh, no, wait. He's laid traps everywhere. All right, this is going to be fun. Yeah. So. Who was your favorite sequence, Rob? I think it would probably, like, just trying to remember all of them. One that stands out is got to be when uh, Rocket and Yondu get free mm-hmm. and the slow motion walk through and Yondu's just off in the whole crew. Yeah. All the mutinies, mutineers. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. I, I think that one might be it because then you even get the little baby group going in, chasing somebody down and straight up murdering. Yeah. The guy who poured out the alcohol side. on him. Yeah. <laughs> I was upset. He took off the jacket. I, I really liked the like mini star Lord thriller jacket thing that he had. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought baby Groot should have kept that the entire movie. I was upset that they, yeah. that he took that off. I thought that was great. But uh, another scene um, that would be close to it for me, if not, it'd be like on par, but it's in the same relative time frame is when baby Groot is going back and forth between the jail cell and the <laughs> captain's quarters trying to find Yondu's fin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good stuff. I... Do, do, do you guys have a severed thumb? <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just not going to talk about this ever again. Let's talk about Nebula, KB. All right. Um, I mean, it was it was it was kind of out of left field for me that they that they did this strange kind of redemption, like character redemption with her, where because her whole thing was I'm going to kill. Uh, oh god, I can't even remember. Uh, Gamora. Gamora, thank you. I was, Gamora, I could remember yeah. her real name. I was like Zoe Saldana. Uh, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm gonna kill Zoe Saldana, and then I'm gonna go on and I'm gonna kill Thor or Thor. Thanos. <laughs> I'm way off today. Uh, <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. Uh, and then like all the like, and she's sitting in there, and one of the worst tactics of all time where she's just like, I'm going to drive this ship into this cave. I'm like, man, no wonder she keeps being, she me. was what a persistent. terrible idea. Yeah, it's true. She was persistent. I'll give her that, but it was still not a smart idea. And no. then, yeah. And I then think... the fact that they fought into that cave and that, that, that to me, I think was the weakest storytelling moment of the, of the, the movie where they just, Gamora travels to this random field and then Nebula starts comes out of nowhere starts shooting at her and then they wind up in this random cave where they basically kind of forgive each other share this kind of nice moment but kind of out of left field and then they're like wait we discovered the evil bo-, you know while walking out of this cave that we randomly ran into we discovered this bone graveyard and now <laughs> we realize that Kurt Russell's the bad guy I was I was just kind of like eh, it's a little weak 
I think the motivation for Nebula was very true to what they set up and the way she described it where Thanos would pit them against each other and every time she lost he would tear off a part of her and then replace that's like that sounded excruciatingly painful mm-hmm. and the amount of trauma she must have went through to think and her whole existence started to boil down to I gotta beat Gamora and that was her life for however many years and she could never do it so she went nuts so I mean if you wanted to kill someone so like let's say Zack Snyder was on the street and you were in your car right (laughs) (laughs) so I, I can I can, I get that. Like her whole life has been I need to kill this person. I'm going to drive a spaceship into their face to do it. And then she realizes, hey, Gomorrah went through similar stuff. It wasn't all peaches and cream for her. Maybe we could work together to kill Thanos, or maybe we can like, you know put it aside and get to the real problem here because I mean she didn't want to kill she didn't want that to happen to me but yeah it, it is kind of weak the resolution because I mean you only have so much time in the movie and it was a very like you were saying Star Trek Futurama kind of moment where they stumble upon the the rest of the plot but I mean I don't come to this kind of movie for the plot I come for space laser action mm-hmm. kind of stuff, so it did bother me that much. But it is the plot is definitely the weakest part of this movie. But you don't come for the plot; you come for the characters, the jokes, the space laser action. So I didn't mind the character or her motivation yeah. at all. No, I, I I liked it. I just I of all the things I expected. Walking like if 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 the three of us before seeing this film sat together and tried to make a list of all the things we wanted to see in this movie, uh, like Nebula and Yondu redemption stories, where the movies are kind of you know theirs, where Yondu's the main character, just would have been so far down the list, right? But yeah. once I got it, I wasn't upset with it. I was like, all right, this is fine. This is where we're going. It's just. It, it just comes down to the, the, the way that they've established this version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which, by the way, is nothing like the version in the comic books. So basically, in order to make the Guardians of the Galaxy popular, all you had to do was change pretty much everything about them. Um, <laughs> uh, but they, just, they didn't change any names, though. <laughs> no, they kept the names, and they kept the I Am Groot and whatnot, but, and, you know, Rocket... I mean, so I guess not completely change them. It's just make them not space police and make them more like their space banditos or something like that. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's just... I mean, I just... You, you love these characters so much. I think they're the most fun characters that they've got kicking right now in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Way more fun than, than the de- version of Danny Rand we got that, that made me, you know, want to put my head through a plate glass window. And... Man, it's just like it's 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 so fun that like you could ignore that there are a couple of really big plot holes in this film, and you're just absolutely you're just kind of like, all right, move along. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Joke here, joke there. It's just like I love these guys. You know, it's it's right. it moves on. Um, to to expand on your comment about like these are the most fun characters and and that for for Marvel. Um, 
uh, today it's uh, a couple friends reminded me uh, or possibly told me for the first time. I can't remember if I knew this before, but uh, the guardian. One way to look at it is the Guardians of the Galaxy are the Avengers Dungeons and Dragons campaign. <laughs> so just imagine the Avengers sitting around a table playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they are playing the Guardians of the Galaxies as their characters. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. That's, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I could I could I could get behind that. Uh, let's talk about some of the new. Let's talk about some of the newer characters that they introduced in, into the franchise. Uh, what was your take on uh, this version of Mantis that they had, Rob? Uh, considering I have no knowledge of the prior Mantis, um, I thought it was a fine character to to have in here, and I'm extremely happy that they didn't spoil this part in the trailers because this trail the the trailers for this did give away a lot of some of the jokes, but they still had a lot of other jokes that were still also great. Um, so the one scene in particular with Mantis in the trailers is when she touches uh, Star-Lord and it's like, you feel love, like the sexual love and all that. And then Drax is laughing at him. And then it's like, do me, do me. And then when Mantis touches Drax, she just starts laughing hysterically as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> because he's killing himself laughing at Star-Lord. <laughs> and then she just joins in because that's the emotion that Drax is experiencing. I think uh, the best thing that translated from the trailers to the movie is... They said straight up in the trailer, hey, I'm your father. And they didn't ignore that when they were in the film... You get sometimes it'll be like they show Lex Luthor and in a film trailer, and then all of a sudden you have all the stuff happening, and you're like, well, Lex Luthor's doing this. Lex Luthor's doing this. And then they finally show Lex Luthor, and you're like, okay, I knew this. You showed me this in the trailer. They didn't do that in this movie, and I really enjoyed that, that they didn't, like, who is his father? We're going on this great quest. No, right away, straight up, and then they expanded on it, which was great. Yeah. Was Kurt Russell in the trailer? Yes. Yeah. He, oh yeah, man, he, he I completely missed that. He was in like the, he was in the the second or third one. Oh, and he straight up says, "I'm your father, Peter," in the trailer. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, it's also because with that one, the way they edited that one, they're treating their audience with a little bit of respect because they know that these are characters like they like they know that it leaked that. Kurt Russell was playing Ego, the living planet. And then anybody, you don't even have to read comics. You can just Wikipedia Ego, the living planet and figure out, you know, his entire character background and whatnot. And then, yeah, it's not hard to figure out the comic book character stuff when you just, they all have their own Wikipedia pages and their full history. Exactly. And that comes back to what I said before of, they don't try to trick you or like pull wool over your eyes and pretend that you don't know what's Mm -hmm. already going to happen. And they make it a fun ride to get there. Yeah, and they do they do get you sometimes. Like I was gonna say recently on on the latest season of Arrow uh, KB, they introduced uh, two new characters, two new masked vigilantes, because you know it's Arrow, so there's got to be masked vigilantes. And one was actually vigilante, um, like a the the Adrian Chase style version of vigilante showed up, and he had like the ski mask goggles on, and he was running around with a ski mask and and. Uh, and the goggles and shooting people up and thinking he was, you know, he's like, I'm the greatest, you know, or, and meanwhile, Adrian chase showed up as 
uh, buddies because uh, Oliver Queen is the mayor in, in the fifth season of Arrow and Adrian Chase showed up as his like campaign manager or whatever and was you know helping him run the office or he was the district attorney or something some office job that required him to work with the mayor so you're thinking oh this guy's going to be revealed as the vigilante later if you are like myself and you know the Adrian Chase character and the big baddie for the season is Prometheus who was another archer with a mask on and then when we find out who eventually Prometheus and Vigilante have a showdown in which Prometheus kills Vigilante and then takes off his mask and to reveal the guy who was Adrian Chase all along. And then it turns out Adrian Chase was some alias that he just stole. Right. So that was, that, uh, was, yeah. one, that was one way they swerved on the guys like myself who were like, no way, no way is he the bad guy. Right. He's got to be the Vigilante. <laughs> and then, it happened, and I was like, well, shut my mouth, right? And it was just like, well, here we are. So, yeah, they, they, they do little they're, – they're, they're smart enough to know that – I I'd like, at least, like so we have enough Well, evidence. they did that in the second season of The Flash, too, didn't they? With the, um... Yeah, but it's just we have enough evidence now to suggest that they realize that we're smart enough to either figure out what's going on or at least Google it. Google it, yeah. So they don't – it's just the fact that they're respecting the audience like that and, and not fucking around with, with holding our, with the hand holding is, is really incredible. And quite frankly, it's been one of the things that I think has ushered in this golden era of really good comic book related content, right? Is like, Hey, let's not try to be, cause like that was the big thing where it's like, you know, back in the early days when they tried to do comic book movies is they were like, you got to make it appeal to everyone. And it's like, well, yeah, like I think the reason yeah. people like it is because it follows the plots and stuff. So why don't we do that? Um, what was your favorite or no, actually, before we get to that, what, what was your take on, uh, the, the, the sovereign and the, 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 the race? Cause those were made up, uh, for, for this movie. They were not, uh, because uh, even I had to look those guys up. I was like, the Sovereign? Are these a real thing? Is this just some like extremely obscure race of people from a comic book that I haven't read in years? But I, I had to look them up, and they were not. They are completely made up for uh, for for this movie. So, what was your take oh. on this version of this of the saw or not this version, but this made <laughs> up race? I should say, Rob. Um. I definitely thought it was just having not read Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that. It's like I just assumed it was pulled from the existing material. But that's interesting. Um, they experienced a, or they expressed more emotion than I thought they were going to mm-hmm. when the first introduced. Um, but then when it started going into the the ship, the the battles where they were, <laughs> I basically pictured it. That the the entire race was at, um, oh I can't remember um, the fucking arcade spot deserves booze. Uh, I can't even remember them. Just when they're they're shooting their ships or whatever. Yeah, and, like and it's like they're arcade. all because yeah. yeah, all their ships are piloted remotely. Yeah, and they so give them like video game noises. Yeah. It, I just basically picture them all at the arcade. They're all playing the same game, trying to do it all cooperatively, yeah. and they fucking fail. Like you just picture it, someone coming up next to them and like putting a quarter and going, "I got next." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. it felt very similar to that episode of Black Mirror where they're all on the bikes, powering society. Ooh, that's over my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't, and I haven't then it's also it's 
Also, I went on a nerd tangent because uh, Ben Browders makes a cameo as one of the Sovereign. He was the lead actor on Farscape and then took over for Richard Dean Anderson on the Stargate uh, right. TV episodes. Which one was he? Uh, he at the very beginning, he's like the admiral that's standing next to the queen or whatever her mm-hmm. name is. Aisha. And, yeah, and he kind of orders commands. Mm-hmm. And then further tangent on that, there was a Stargate episode where they did the exact same thing. The perfect people who are supposed to be like Nazi-esque were flying drones and murdering people and all that other stuff. So, mm-hmm. so maybe it was a huge. Yeah, maybe that's a super reference. I, I remembered it was uh, Dave and Buster's. That's what I was trying to Dave think. Dave and Buster's, uh, right, right, yeah. right, yeah. That's what I was trying to remember. So my question then with the, uh, since we're talking about the, the Sovereign, um, now this is potentially jumping ahead to the post credit stuff. Mm-hmm. They are creating Adam? Yeah, Adam, that, that was Adam Warlock, I assume. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, I assume that, that was the reference to Adam Warlock. It was the thing, because that... That was the other thing that caused me to fangasm. They were like, I'll call him Adam. And I was just like, oh, Warlock! <laughs> it was just like, oh, like, that one kind of got me, even though I was like, I was like, whatever. Because, like, he's a guy who, what he's one of Marvel's all-powerful super being guys, and he fucks with the Infinity Gauntlet all the time, too. So he, he could just fit right into this whole, we're going to go fight yeah. Thanos thing that's happening in a little bit. But, uh... Yeah, I thought it was cool. I really enjoyed the scene where they were on the planet with the snow and they went to get Yondu and they had this giant line of moving this red carpet or I guess it was blue, but it was it was supposed to be like a red carpet around because I like (laughs) because the high priestess Aisha or whatever was basically like she was too good to walk on the snow, so they had to get her this like red, this red. They had to roll this red carpet thing across this. How far for do her you to think walk that on. thing rolled? Oh, it was so it was so brilliant. I thought that was. I was like, that's a great joke. That is a fantastic joke. That like like I'm too good. To, like we're we're perfect people. We cannot have our feet soiled with this wet <laughs> substance on the ground. So they're like rolling out this carpet for her to walk on. I was like, oh god. I thought I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, what was your favorite cameo in this, KB? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I, for Honestly, for me, it's going to be the Ben Browder one because it's one of those oh, little nerdgasms. Going real deep. Yeah, it was, a, it was personal to me because I knew I was going to be one of the only people in the, the theater who's like, even my wife didn't know who it was. I'm like, that's Ben Browder. And she's like, who the hell is that? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to explain it to you after the movie. <laughs> yeah. Put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine actually was just messaging me uh, either last night or today, I can't remember, um, asking about, hey, did you notice this guy in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2? And I was like, yeah, I, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> and it's, it's that guy. Sorry, you, continue. What about you, Rob? What was your favorite cameo? Um. I would have said, based on the cameos that I saw when I watched it, it would have been Stallone. Mm-hmm. But based on these conversations, if Rob Zombie was in it and I just missed it, it's going to be him. <laughs> yeah, Rob I don't know which <laughs> one he played. He's some uncredited it's, member he's of the cra- He's credited as Unseen Ravager, so Unse- it's probably just like a very background-y... Oh, okay. Kind of... mine, yeah. was, mine had to be the Hasselhoff. 
when when oh when, shit yeah Hasselhoff's know, there sorry yeah I'm still alone mine was easily when 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 Hasselhoff showed up which given the fact that which means Hasselhoff is going to have two movie cameos in the same month because he's going to appear in that Baywatch movie with The Rock and Zac Efron that's coming out, right? Oh, is he? So, yeah, so that, we're getting a double dip of the Hoff in, in, in May 2017. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. So um, with with Hasselhoff having a cameo, it actually got me thinking, um, I mean, Star-Lord wasn't on, like, based on the timing of everything, he wasn't on Earth for for it but i have a feeling he would have really loved kung fury oh yeah probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was another great joke too at the end when he's like oh i got you a zune <laughs> like, yeah. got uh, i had to ex- i had to explain my wife didn't know what a zune was i had to explain Who? to her <laughs> why it was a Nobody funny joke does. she's like she's like why why was that funny i'm like oh this is gonna be a huge other explanation yeah. zune. it's it's windows ipod version of the ipod that you've never heard of it's, it's that lasted for what a month or so no oh, yeah it, it wasn't even it was short-lived there was no reason to get the, the the one thing microsoft overlooked in that one was there was no reason to get a zune because everybody already had ipods right like, yeah that was, that was the one flaw in their plan <laughs> they were like wait <laughs> like should have thought this through. Um, First step, create Zune. Second step, third oh. step, profit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, Howard the Duck made another appearance once again oh, voiced yes. by Seth Green. That was good. That but... is um, James Gunn's favorite comic book character. Is, uh, he, he's admitted that? Yeah, he said it on Twitter. I, That's I'll, one of his favorite comic book characters. I'll never forget you know, waiting at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, as we now do at the end of pretty much all films now, is wait through the credits. Um, At the end of the first one, when they did the Howard the Duck cameo, I audibly heard groans from it because like every because this is also back when like we were on a roll of like three straight Thanos teases, I think, in in the Guardians, or like, or in whatever, and then Guardians came along and was a great film, and then everybody was just expecting some sort of cool Thanos tease, and then it was uh, Howard the Duck, <laughs> and I, there were some audible groans and boos. I remember in the theater I was in when, <laughs> when that dropped, and I was like, I was standing there going, "Ah, oh, that's fucking brilliant! Ah, oh, Howard the Duck, so good!" <laughs> like, just, oh, to me, that to me that cameo in the first one was like, "Yeah, we made a movie with a raccoon. We could do Howard the Duck, right?" Yeah, and bring put, it. And they put Cosmo the space dog in that one, who also yeah. had, had a can't believe you let him lick your face. Licks his balls. Yeah, and also had the also had the uh, who who was in the credits again too in the because there were a bunch of people in the credits like Je- Jeff Goldblum's character from. Uh, I was waiting to bring that up. It's like, yeah. yes, Jeff Gold- Goldblum was in the cre- post credits mm-hmm. and with or in the credits, whatever it was. So with that, that is then I would say the tie to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, <laughs> with the Thor Ragnarok trailer having that Guardians of the Galaxy feel to it. There's the link. Also, yeah, one of the Easter eggs too was if you were if you were able to, like, if you were just able to notice it, checking it out. The uh, what what was it bu- uh, bumping around when they were doing the the like we're jumping through all these planets and it was just like ah, as, as they beeped through from planet to planet. There were a couple yeah. of uh, Easter eggs. One was the gladiator planet. Like there were two people squared off on a, in a gladiator arena, which, you know, as we assume is a yep. reference to whatever gladiator planet they're going to be on. And, uh, Thor Ragnarok, hopefully Skarn. 
And yeah. when Stan Lee was there talking <laughs> to the watcher, he was talking to the watchers. Yeah. <laughs> that, was so good. I was like, that was another one where I was like, oh, the watchers. <laughs> right? And it was like, what, that. <laughs> what an age we live in. I was just like, Oh my I God. I think when I saw that, I might've like put my hands up and went, Oh boy, Oh boy, Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So good. So good. Really enjoyed that. And then they got a post credit scene with it too. <laughs> Where they're just like, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley alone on this rock. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, best line in the entire movie. There's only one nominee. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. By, uh, <laughs> from, from Michael Rooker as Yondu. Not even close. Easily the best line of that entire film. Just, I just, I love that. He's like, you look like Mary Poppins. Was he cool? Yeah. He's like, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. So good. <laughs> it was a great line. Not even close. Easily the best. Which brings me to my final thing. And if you guys have anything to add afterwards, you absolutely can. It was a very big part of the first Guardians of the Galaxy and a very big way of establishing on a tonal frequency what this was all about. And they were able to do it in the opening sequence, opening dance sequence in the first one. The soundtrack. Yes. Very big part of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. And I gotta say, Guardians 2, little weak, little weak for Matt Pierce. Little weak. I'm very big into the, the cheesy 80s nostalgia soundtracks you know the synthesizers and 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 just the weird kind of poppy 80s music this one very went with a lot of the 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 soft rock hits and 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 the poppy i was like throw me i was like throw me some new shoes throw me some duran duran throw like throw me something with a beat to it a little bit in this one they were just very soft rock 80 like they they stayed in the first one they bounced around from from 80s genres i thought which helped to work in this one they yeah. just kind of stayed in the soft rock genre which i was just like man give me something here <laughs> you know like just anything play like just play me a bad 80s club hit i don't care like <laughs> oh, just something i don't know like i not that it was bad soundtrack i was just like let's play something a little more upbeat i, I mean we're getting i sad, think we man. were I think we were spoiled in the first movie might with how amazing yeah, that, that might soundtrack was. Yeah. That, that uh, the way it came together in the first movie was just unprecedentedly amazing, mm-hmm. and it's that's going to be intensely hard to to copy oh, well. or to come back to in another movie. They tried and they did an okay job, but I, yeah, it was still a good soundtrack. But I I'm in complete agreement that the first soundtrack was better. Where does Kurt but, Russell uh, rank? for UKB, and this is an incredibly low bar. Where does he rank in MCU villains so far? Uh, fifth, maybe? Really? That low? I, he was very... It's it's the trope of the mm-hmm. all-powerful god who's lonely and wants to kill everyone because he's lonely and that way he'll be alone. Mm-hmm. But also not alone. Eh? He was kind of campy for me, and I mean, true, it's true. But I didn't. I again, plot and that that villain was a little bit weak for me. Uh, I mean, 
you're not going to really beat Jeff Bridges in the original Iron Man. He's still the with standard, that performance. Yeah, I, it's it's. I mean, I guess Loki's up there. It's just, um, man, Red Skull. Some... Red Skull was okay. Okay, but like they didn't really. He didn't spend enough time as the Red Skull in that movie, and they were just like, yeah. Oh, I mean, they just don't have it with the villains. <laughs> Marvel, no. do they? And like I said, they're building towards, like, the big baddie they've been building towards is just some pussy whip moron. Uh, and I, I didn't see Strange. Didn't yeah, Doctor Strange was a... was a Doctor Strange, you know what? We, we mentioned it earlier about, you know, respecting the audience and, and whatnot. That... Doctor Strange might have been the, uh, an era where that hurt them a little bit because they didn't want to give away Baron Mordo as the bad guy for whatever reason. So they teamed him up and then gave Mads Mikkelsen's character basically Baron Mordo's background. And then at the end, Chad Chazwick Boseman uh, stabbed Benjamin Bratt and was like, there's too much magic in the world. And it's like, now he's going to be the bad guy. Whereas... In the Doctor Strange movie, probably could have been helped a little bit better if it was just like, hey, let's just use Baron Mordo as the bad guy, <laughs> right? Like that. Yeah. That was one of the ones where I think that that hurt them, but uh, not enough that I would say they need to quit doing what they're doing. Um, who do you think had the strongest performance in this movie, KB? I think Dave Bautista pulled it out. Mm-hmm. For not being a really trained actor, he nails that character so hard every time. Mm-hmm. It's like he's been playing. It's like it's him. Yeah. It's like the character was made for him. I mean, yeah. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana. You expect the world from her. She's an amazing actress. She does a really good job. Chris Pratt is is basically just Chris Pratt in every yeah, movie. That's true. And I think performance-wise, based on what he's done before, which is mostly nothing, Dave Bautista has really elevated himself in these movies. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like the that character is specifically for him. It's like he is that character. Well, I mean, this is the thing with the wrestlers, right? Is... I mean, like, Rob, you and I are, are we're, we're big wrestlers. Hold up. Are, are you about to say wrestling isn't real? No, I was just going to say, <laughs> you, you and I are both big wrestling fans from, from like, the mid-2000s well, during the, the, you know, the, the golden age of, you know, Triple yeah. H and Rock and Stone Cold. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a certain level of acting that does, that is involved in being a wrestler, right? Like, you have to be able to work yeah. the crowd and think on your feet and do stuff. Like, those are translatable skills and the really good guys are able to do it like that's why the rock now the rock might be an outlier because he's just like one of the most charismatic dudes that has ever walked this on planet earth (laughs) but i mean you think about what they used to do back in the day where it was like hey we're giving wrestlers a job in in a comic book movie what is he gonna do oh he's bane in batman and robin or it's like oh he's (laughs) Sabretooth in the very first Brian Singer X-Men movie and he, we're going to give him like two lines and then he just stands there and looks big the entire time, right? Where it's just like yeah. if you give if you pick out certain guys and give them you know, a, a platform to move to maneuver with 
They can take the ball. They, they, they can, you know, if you give them the ball, they'll run with it a little bit. A good right? example of that is John Cena. He's been in a couple of movies and actually done a pretty decent job. Yeah, like he in, he had the cameo in that uh, Amy Schumer flick that was a pretty hilarious scene, even though yeah. I'm not a big John Cena fan, but only as 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 a wrestler. Just don't, never liked his character. <laughs> never liked his character. It's never fun when the good guys are all powerful in wrestling. That's all I'm going to say. But that's a, that's a completely different podcast. Uh, yeah. like maybe, maybe we'll do a wrestling podcast one day, Rob. And, and I, one day we'll all get together and watch WrestleMania. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Oh man. The Undertaker we missed retired it. in the we last one. We missed it this year. Yeah. The Undertaker retired at the end of that one, apparently. Uh, yeah, Dave Batista I thought was really good. Kurt Russell, I disagree with KB. I thought Kurt Russell was fan- was was fun as hell in this movie. I, I think he's up there as far as uh, villain performances in the MCU because it's just. But like that's that bar is 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 low, 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 low. Yeah. Like the greatest limboer in the world could not make it below the 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 bar <laughs> that that is the the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> villain bar. Um, so which actually, I think, if you're talking Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think you ha- you have to count the Netflix series, and then you have to give it to um, Vincent D'Onofrio as as his Wilson Fisk in that first season. I think he has the title belt as far as Marvel Cinematic villains. Absolutely, that's that's spot on for sure. Yeah. Although, are we saying that there, like, w- would you say that there is a chance? Based on the three seconds we saw her in the trailer, like that, uh, Kate Blanchett has a shot to take it as Hella. Like, I'm going to say yes because she's sh- awesome. <laughs> yeah, like do you think there's a shot that that she gets it? Because I'll tell you, when they do the thing, when when they. Like man, that Thor Ragnarok trailer is so great. I really, I really like that trailer. That get that trailer gets me juiced for that movie. Anyway. I was happy to see it at before Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I, I saw <laughs> that too. Like, if for me, the the Last Jedi trailer came on. Yeah. And they same. were like, "Oh, Last Jedi trailer," and I was just like. I kind of groaned, <laughs> and then the Thor Ragnarok trailer came out, and I was like, "Oh, nice!" <laughs> like that, that brought me back up. Like I was just kind of like, "Oh god, this friggin' Star Wars movie!" <laughs> People are picking apart that Star Wars trailer to the point where I'm just like, "I don't, I don't care." Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like, one thing that was a bit much for me, even for me, because I, I did not like the Force Awakens, and it will be, it is, and will continue to be well documented on this podcast, but. The one thing that, to me, that's a, a bridge too far where I just won't complain about something like this is somebody watched the trailer enough to notice the one close-up shot we had of Kylo Ren. They, like, moved his scar or something like like the scar he got when uh, Ray sliced up his face at the end of the movie or at the end of Force Awakens. They apparently moved the scar to make it look, I don't know, cooler or something like that. <laughs> so it ran so it ran like over his eye instead of at the bridge of his nose to the point wow. where to the point where apparently one of the guys in the film had to come out and explain why they did that like the mar- like the Star Wars stands needed a a <laughs> they're like we need an explanation as to why this has happened right like continuity error man <laughs> right <They're> just, <laughs> oh my god and to, to where the guy just I, I think somebody came out and said it was just too 
like the 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 way they had it before, it was just too like the makeup just looked too silly. <laughs> then they were just like, yeah, we're moving this scar. It looks too silly. And it was just like, oh my god, Star Wars fans. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, that man, way that way they much. can re they can re-release Force Awakens with new footage and put the scar in the right place. And yeah, they can do the their same movie again. <laughs> oh man. Uh, don't think that won't happen. That's the. That's the <laughs> I know it'll happen. That's why I said it. <laughs> oh man. Ah. Uh, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add to uh, add about Guardians? Anything? Anything we forgot? I think we pretty much covered most of it. Any Easter eggs? We're... Any Easter eggs that we forgot? I I can't. For one watch through, I can't really right. see any the, the, Easter only, eggs, really. the only Easter egg that I uh, noticed was uh, Jeff Goldblum in the uh, mm. the credits. In the entrance, well, you noticed but, the Watchers. Yeah. The Watchers was obviously well, good. yeah, yeah. But that was even during the movie. The only one I wasn't sure of. Wait, wait, yeah. I thought I might have been reading it a bit too much into it, but there's that moment where, um, Kurt Russell and and Chris Pratt are having the conversation, and then Ego touches. Uh, Star Lord, and he gets like the the black star eyes, and he goes yeah. like, "Do you see it?" And he goes like, "Eternity." And then Eternity is a actual character in Marvel comic books, and he looks like his body basically like he takes the shape of a human form. But, oh yeah, you're right. But he gets like that, like and his and his eyes basically, but his whole body basically looks like the way they had Chris Pratt's eyes work. I I mean, I thought maybe I was. Maybe it was a reference to the space god Eternity, who does tend to show up when the Infinity gems and stones are in play. But I, I thought maybe that might be reading a bit too much in it, into it. But uh, you know, maybe. But it would be a ca- hey, just a little casual reference. If it if it actually comes to pass, look yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what what do you give Guardians to? Let's start with KB. I give it a solid seven out of ten. It's yeah. not as good as the first movie. It's a, if it's a great movie to watch, regardless. You don't have to see the first one to see this one. And I mean, the characters. It, it feels like they've been playing these characters for years, and they just feel great to be on another fun space laser explosion adventure with. Rob, yeah. How are you grading, Guardian? Uh. Given my past gradings, which I would have to alter to completely go different in the future, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because after that first watch, uh, I think the last, I don't even know how many movies I've given an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I know it goes back to at least uh, Suicide Squad, because I gave that an 8. And that was just after the initial watching, I thoroughly enjoyed it and all that. But every subsequent rewatch... It is 100% a background noise movie. Oh, absolutely. And it, is, it is not an 8 out of 10. <laughs> no, no. It is, it is, yeah, it's, it's very much a... Like I said, I said this on our pod, and I'll repeat it again because you should treat every pod like it's somebody's first. The, the Suicide Squad movie, it's Destiny, and I think we're there now, but oh, it's, it's Destiny. Oh, we've been there. It, yeah, it's Destiny is Friday night. 11 o'clock cable action movie, right? Like you're flicking through the channels. Maybe you got a beer in your hand and you're like, God, I hope there's like a movie or something. Oh, Suicide Squad. Cool. And then you're like, Oh, it's the part where this happens. Right. And you, and you just, yeah. like, you just kind of watch it. And it's, and then the parts you don't care about, you can just go up, go to the washroom, grab another beer, come back. And Hey, maybe yeah. it's back to what you want to see. Absolutely. Uh, 
I give Guardians to about a seven, seven and a half out of ten. So we're all kind of in the same range there. We're, we're, yeah. we're like great flick, but not like an all time thing. But this, th- this is such a fun movie. Like, and like in, in yes. comparison to the Suicide Squad, this is one of those movies where if if you if you're flicking through the channels in like you know like a year or two from now, and Guardians Two is on, you're you're stopping immediately and you're just watching Guardians Two because it's 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 so much fun and. Because they they did the thing where you have a really long first act, don't have a second act, and then have a really long third act. You can just jump in at any point of that movie because there's very few mm-hmm. like weak points. Like arguably, I would say the weakest point is Nebula fighting Gamora, and even then you're just like there's two like space chicks with giant guns shooting at each other. So you're like, sweet. One literally <laughs> holding the gun from a ship and shooting it at the ship. Exactly. <laughs> Great stuff. So, Guardians 2, highly recommended by the... I mean, everyone's already seen it anyway. We're just talking about it now, like most people are on the podcast. So, allow us to continue oversaturating the podcast market with yet another Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review. Uh, before we get out of here, let's talk a little... Bonus about, material. Yeah, a little bonus material. Let's talk a little Defenders trailer, gentlemen. I'm going to go out on what I think is a limb... And I'm going to try not to hurt myself while I'm out on this limb. I'm going to say that the Defenders is going to be better than Iron Fist. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> just saying. Just I'm just going to throw it out there. I think we're I think we're finally going to go upwards on the because if, if you watch the scale and I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry people out there listening. I know some of you are yelling saying what are you talking about? Debt, but the the scale for the Marvel Netflix is is down like it goes down every time they go out um mm. and i know you're screaming put daredevil season two nope daredevil season two was not good daredevil season two was a good four episodes and then was a pile of crap but what about luke cage nope luke cage stylistically is incredible but unfortunately plot counts and <laughs> and it counts for a very a much bigger percent of the pie piece and it was just not a good movie uh, well, what about Iron? F- well, actually, nobody, nobody's saying what about Iron Fist because that was <laughs> But I think we, I think we're all hoping that Iron mm-hmm. Fist was absolute zero, and then it yes. can only get warmer from there. Yes, and and I think uh, Iron Fist was so bad. There's no way they can like because there, there's just no way because they're gonna have all everybody in these movies. Because you saw Misty Knight talking to Jessica Jones in, in, in interrogation room. And then Matt Murdock came in that scene alone. When it happens, just that, just that opening three to seven seconds of the defenders trailer was better than the entire 13 hours we spent with iron fist. So it's a me- that scene alone will immediately make it better than iron fist. I think, that's you know, what least, sucks the, that's what at sucks least the most. put it at a D right. Cause <laughs> Because Iron Fist what was a D minus. So. What sucks the most about that scene is I've been waiting for that scene for the past three series. Yeah. And now I get it in a trailer. Yeah, because everybody gets arrested. <laughs> Everyone in Marvel's Netflix gets arrested, and you're expecting like you're every time there's a there's a scene where somebody's like handcuffed to a desk and in a police interrogation room, you're like. Oh, they're gonna need a lawyer, right? <laughs> what if they get the blind one? And it's just like, oh man. Um, it's a really good trailer. The, Def- the Defenders trailer. What'd you think, Rob? Uh, I enjoyed the trailer. It got me interested in 
watching it and then also actually watching those Netflix series because yeah. I have still yet to watch any of those series. Really? But yeah, Daredevil and Jessica Jones are, are certainly on my list to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Defenders, I'll probably watch then Luke Cage and Iron Fist. But I, based on reviews that I've heard and just comments now, obviously they're not high priorities. No, but I... I I do still want to watch Daredevil and Jessica Jones at some point. And with Defenders coming out, if I actually sit down and watch these, um, I'll maybe attempt to do that before, uh, what is it, August 18th, it appears yeah, to be? It's yeah. way quicker than I thought. So. Like uh, We speculated, I think, KB, because KB was on the Iron Fist pod. We speculated probably, what, what do we think, like, we were thinking November. Early yeah, or early next year. Yeah, somewhere around there. Well, we knew it was coming out this year, but we just we thought it was. Oh yeah, be like no, yeah, November, October, late November. October, yeah, we kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, we were thinking October, November. So August, I was like, "Ooh, that's a treat." Um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm fairly excited. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I yeah. think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be pretty darn. I, I think it's gonna be good. I don't know who the hell. I mean, I'm sure it'll come out. But I'm going to try to avoid spoilers for the Defenders because I don't want to know who Sigourney Weaver's playing. I want it to be a, uh, I want it to be a surprise when it drops on August 18th. They um, have her only listed on IMDb as Alexandra. Oh, interesting. So I'll try not to I, back channel my, pers- my speculation is that she's going to be a gender-bent Silvermane because she's got all that silver stuff, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's not a bad, not a bad way to play it. She could be the crane mother and take on multiple forms throughout the uh, throughout the show, but then the main form would just end up being Madam Sigourney. Gale. Yeah, it would just yeah it would be Sigourney Weaver. Mm. Uh, I just... My question for you guys is: uh, now that Netflix is going to have Marvel's The Defenders, are they going to continue with? Uh, individual seasons of those four characters? I believe so, because like it seems like they're going to wrap up some of like Daredevil's plotline, because Daredevil's had two seasons, Rob. Yeah. So it seems like they're going to wrap up kind of what has been Daredevil's arc with this Defender show, but they're already they're already filming a Punisher series, so there's going to be a... Pun- like, after Defender comes out, there's going to be a Punisher Netflix series. Yeah. No, but I, I mean the four characters in the Defenders. Jessica Jones like has Jessica already gotten. Jones, she's already Kate. gotten greenlit for a second season. Yeah. Like, I know I was talking to to Pierce about mm. what are they going to do. She only yeah. has one villain. and He's dead. Yeah. She, um, she only has one villain, and she only has one plot, like one comic series that they've ever used. I mean, because I mean, I doubt they're going to do the the like she has Luke Cage's baby plot line, right? Yeah. Like, like maybe I don't. I don't know how you get 13 hours of that, but that said, maybe you can get 13 hours of them changing babies, changing diapers and shit, because they did 13 hours of fucking boardroom meetings in <laughs> goddamn Iron Fist. They managed to squeeze that in the fuck into fucking 13 hours, so so maybe they can <laughs> in, in Jessica Jones season. It's just them going to get groceries and shit for 13 hours. It's, it's, it's actually two people with superpowers attempting to raise a child for 13 hours. It's, it's Jessica Jones, The Sims. 
Yeah. Oh, this cereal's on sale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just staring at, like, she's like, which mana should I get? Uh, sodium's a little high on this one. Better go with the light. <laughs> just, like, that, what I just described, that was more exciting than anything that happened in Iron Fist. <laughs> okay? Like, Jessica Jones buying mayonnaise and buying the fat-free mayonnaise was, was, was better than... Anything in Iron Fist. What a God! What a disgrace! Fuck! I love Iron Fist character in the comics too. What a great character that is, and they just, oh God, they shat all over him. It's 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 the honestly, it's that bad, Rob. It's 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 the worst version of that character that they could do. Like imagine Batman and Robin. You know how Batman and Robin is the worst version of Batman that they've ever done. Like even like it, it yeah. they've made. Adam West's Batman seem seem like the goddamn Batman, right? Like, like, yeah. like, like made him seem way hardcore. Imagine that, but without the campiness to keep you laughing and interested in what was going on the screen, and 13 hours long. Like oh that, that was their... And with bad martial arts. <laughs> like, that was their... In a show that's supposed to be about a guy who who's a kung fu master. Yeah. Oh, God, Iron Fist. What a, what a goddamn tragedy that was absolute tragedy um yeah it's weird though if you take on the marvel cinema or the the netflix rob i'll warn you the 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 first season of daredevil is a goddamn masterpiece yeah and they've been chasing it ever since and and i've said on this podcast many times and i'll say it again the marvel netflix shows have gotten progressively worse with each outing and Mm. I'm speaking directly to you, Mr. Daredevil Season 2 Defender, because Daredevil Season 2, outside <laughs> of the first three episodes with the Punisher, and I'm not a Punisher guy, so they managed to you know, reel me in with a actually interesting version of the Punisher, but Daredevil Season 2 was trash. Uh, Luke Cage was a solid six episodes and then was trash after that, and Iron Fist was just trash wire to wire. I, th- I think mm. we're all cautiously optimistic about yeah. the Defenders trailer, there's, there's but, no but right way. off the bat, yeah. I already see uh, the too many villain syndrome. You've got Sigourney Weaver, you've got the hand in the background, you've got uh, Elektra, and as soon as Elektra appeared in that trailer, it's like, ah. Elektra is uh, any, Elektra's inclusion in anything. Always irritates me because I think Electra is one of the worst characters Marvel has, and like anytime she shows up, it ruins a Daredevil plot. And it happened in season two. She shows up at the end of like we had four solid episodes with the Punisher, and then Electra shows up at the end of the fourth episode, and then the back nine episodes are just just a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, just. Electra's not a great character. She's a terrible, terrible... Because I don't like asshole Matt Murdock and the will-they-won't-they they with Electra. It's, it's it's never been written well, and it's not good, and I don't know why people insist on shoehorning her into stuff whenever they do Daredevil. Ugh. It irritates me. It really irritates me. But... Cautiously optimistic. I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go beyond cautiously optimistic. I'm gonna say that I'm 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 very optimistic for the defenders because there's just no way it can be worse than Iron Fist. It just can't. We're gonna and so even if we get even if we get a, Iron Fist, that seems like a bold claim. Yeah, even if we get a like solid B out of this defenders show, it's gonna feel it, it's it's gonna seem like like an, a, a a home like a grand slam basically it'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be akin to a grand slam because 
Iron Fist and Luke Cage were so because goddamn Because the terrible. bar is so low. Yeah, the bar is so incredibly low. It's 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 really not good. It's it's man, Iron Fist <laughs> was bad. It was really really bad. But Guardians Two was not. So go see. I'm gonna go see this one again. I think I really enjoy this because I, I I ended up having to go see this by myself. So at some point I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the wife to go see this one. So. Guardians 2 will be, uh, I will be willingly reaching into my pocket and giving them more of my money, which I feel that they deserve because this is a solid, solid flick. And I'm going to enjoy seeing Kurt Russell again because, God, you can put Kurt Russell in anything and I'm pretty much going to go see it. Huge fan, huge fan. Big Trouble Little China. We got to do a commentary track of that one day. That's a, that's a fan. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, KB. Oh. It's on Netflix right now. It's in my my queue. Oh, you've got to watch it. It's so good. It's so good. Here, here's what I'll sell you on: the grandfather from the Three Ninjas is in that. Isn't he in? Isn't he in every martial arts movies from the eighties and nineties? You got damn right he is. <laughs> isn't Five. he? The... Yeah. I forgot yeah. about the Three Ninjas. Yeah, that's can't forget about the Three Ninjas. Yeah, you never forget about the Three Ninjas, and I can think of no better way than end this podcast on on the on the Three Ninjas note. Uh, that said, crossover podcast available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossover podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes. Please rate and subscribe and leave us a review. Um, hopefully five star, but uh, if if we're not, let us know and we'll try to do better. Especially me. Uh, and uh, we're on Twitter at uh, at mpeer6 m-p-e-a-r-c-e and the number 6 that's my personal account plus I use it as a show as account because I am far too lazy to run multiple Twitter accounts I barely post on our Facebook page no that's a lie I, I always post on our Facebook page but I am way too lazy to run two Twitter accounts uh, do you guys have anything you want to plug KB or... Uh, my Twitter is at suckerpunch s u k r p u n c h. If you want to yell at me for whatever I said on the pod, yeah, feel free. Uh, next week I think we're gonna be back. Uh, it'll probably be myself and Craig. We'll probably do some playoff catch up, as we know what the Eastern Conference Finals is gonna be in the hockey right now. It's going to be the Ottawa Senators and the Pittsburgh. Steelers or Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh. Steelers. I was hoping. Uh, <laughs> Should have quit while I was ahead. Should have quit while hey, I was ahead. Hey, maybe they're gonna cross over sports. Yeah, could happen. You never know. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So we'll we'll be back. We'll probably do our uh, playoff predictions for uh, for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals in the NHL, and we'll probably try to talk a little basketball. Although there's really not much to talk about. We're all just wasting time until the. Uh, <laughs> Until the, to the uh, Cavs Warriors yeah, finals. To the Cavs Warriors finals. We're all, we're all, <laughs> we're all just jacking off until until that happens. Although my Celtics are, uh, they won tonight, so they're went away from being the team with the illustrious uh, <laughs> team that gets to lose to the Cavs. Exactly, the illustrious privilege of losing to the Cavs <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. The moral finals. victory in now the that, Eastern Conference. Well, you know what? It looks a lot sweeter if you make the Eastern Conference Finals and end up with the first overall draft pick, which could <laughs> happen for the Boston Celtics this year. So, yeah, yeah. taking a page out of the uh, Boston Bruins handbook. Yeah, or the actual Boston Celtics handbook. Well, the old, the old like. Red Arbach, 60s, 70s, 80s Celtics used to do that all the time where it's like, hey, we just won the title. 
And we also have the first overall draft pick because of some trades that we did. Because basically, Red Arbach was the only guy in the 60s, 70s, and 80s who understood how to do trades. <laughs> where he's just like, I know, I'll trade all my veterans to the, to the shittiest team in the league for draft picks. And then when they finish last, I'll get the pick, right? <laughs> this is like, oh, man. Classic stuff. Anyway, that's it for us on the crossoverbike.com and the crossover podcast. Um,. We'll see you next week, everybody, as we make the push to episode 150. And we got something special planned for that one. Uh, KB and Rob, uh, thank you very much for reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy with, the, with me. Take care. You Thanks. Guys. It was a pleasure, sir. Yep. All right. Cheers. Take care, everybody.